And let's go ahead and look at uh, verse 14 through 21. Verse 14 through 21. Uh, Brother Aaron, I'll just have to figure out a title as we go. That, that's the only thing I've struggled with, is the title. So, <clears throat> verse 14 through 21. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the water and oft into the, or into the fire and oft into the water. Uh, let me just tell you a funny story here. I know we're reading this, but I think you'll get a kick out of this. When I first went to Bible college, I was very naive. I did not grow up in church. And the Lord put me in this uh, dorm room with a guy from Alabama and a guy from Georgia who'd been in church for a while. And I'm from the north. And so, uh, but very naive, very humbled, surrendered, I wanted to do the Lord's will. And Rodney McCroskey, who was from Alabama, and he was the dorm leader and really excellent guy. I love him. He's pastoring to this day. Uh, but he was a big tease. And he said, uh, Brother Murph, and again, I'm new, I'm 19. I've not even read through my Bible. I've never, not even read through half the Bible. He said, I know your dad's life verse. I said, what? He said, I know your dad's life verse. I said, my dad's not even in church. He said, that's all right. I know his life verse. He said, I said, what? He said, it's Matthew 17, verse 15. <laughs> I looked it up and I thought, you dog. So I've never forgot that passage of scripture. And I can say the Lord has delivered me. I've been healed, redeemed. Taking advantage of the new guy is what they did. Verse 16. The father goes on and says, And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. So let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. We pray that the Spirit of God would teach us. We pray, Lord, that we would feel as though this is personal. And we would receive what you want us to receive. 
May it strengthen us in our faith and bring glory to you. And may, the, may it have an effect on the souls around us that we would be able to see people saved and people drawn close to you. May you bless our special music now, bless the choirs they sing. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Three types of faith that are being mentioned. Thank you, choir. Thank you very much. Hey, I could have done this. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break before we start the sermon. There is somebody who deserves to be honored for uh, completing level two of the discipleship course. Uh, I can run it to her. It is Miss Tiana Johnson right here. Let's give her a hand. I've only had that for three months, but that's okay. Got tucked under the pulpit. All right, so I need to get your mind back into Matthew 17. I need you to kind of visualize what's going on here. The Lord Jesus was up on a mountain with three of his disciples, Peter, James, and what was the other one? All right, John. Well, very good, John. Okay, so the three disciples, and I believe that John was J-O-H-N. No, I'm not, I don't know. Anyways, Peter, James, and John were up there. Who did they see while they were up there? Two characters arrived. Who? Okay, we're mumbling. Moses and Elijah, that's right. Moses and Elijah. Of course, they, knew, they saw Jesus the whole time they, they were there. And they saw Jesus glorified in their presence as I visualize Jesus going to prayer while they're at the top of the mountain. And while the Lord Jesus is praying, he begins to glow like an LED light. I mean, he begins to glow. His clothing begins to glow. And at this time, Moses and Elijah appear. And it is apparent that they've been talking to each other because I believe that's why Peter recognized them as Moses and Elijah. Because Peter, I guarantee you, did not look back at some of the old Hebrew photo albums and say, you know, that looks a lot like Moses and Elijah. Didn't do that. You know, remember the days of the photo albums? Those were good old days. Anyways, we move on here. Uh, we were browsing through some as we were getting ready for our Valentine banquet. If you want to have some fun, come to the Valentine banquet. It'll be a good time. All right, so they're up in this mountain, and uh, of course, uh, there were some lessons we talked about last week. When all was said and done, the focus needed to be on the Lord Jesus Christ. And God in heaven spoke and told Peter, This is my beloved son, hear ye him. And boy, Peter, James, and John went to the ground, humbled fearful, and the Lord says, fear not, and they looked up, and the Bible says they saw no man save Jesus only. Let me tell you something, in your Christian life, when you can say that, you're going the right place. I'm not saying you overlook the needs of the people around you and all of that, but I'm saying when your eyes are on Jesus, when your focus is on Jesus, you'll find yourself doing a whole lot more than what you ever could have before. And you'll also find yourself being able to endure that problems that seem big can be made little if your eyes are turned on Jesus Christ. And so while they're up on that mountain, they, we learn these things, and then they come down the mountain, and the Lord Jesus begins to talk to the disciples, and they get to the bottom of the mountain, and apparently there were some things that took place here. 
And so rather than reread all the verses, let me just kind of rehash it and, uh, with you as talk about it. They get to the bottom of the mountain, and though we do not read this in the Gospel of Matthew account, we do read it in the Gospel of Mark account. When Jesus got to the bottom of the mountain, he saw the scribes and Pharisees talking to his disciples, questioning, possibly interrogating, uh, maybe even accusing them. We read that in the Mark account. I think it's Mark chapter 9. And the Lord inquires, what are you talking to them for? And uh, uh, some things are brought up. And the man with the lunatic son. Not my dad. <laughs> showed up. Showed up. No doubt he was broken hearted. Heavy hearted. Maybe filled with some disappointment. But he comes to Jesus. And he tells Jesus what had taken place. And the Lord Jesus has a few comments there. He says, oh, faithless, first. He says, oh, faithless, that's first. And then perverse generation. So he, he reveals something there. And I don't know if that, that was meant for the scribes and Pharisees or the disciples or the whole crowd, but possibly the whole crowd. And so the Lord tells the young man, he inquires in the Gospel of Mark, how long has he been this way? And the, the, the father says, well, such and such time. And, and uh, <clears throat> Jesus looks at the man in the Gospel of Mark account, and he says, uh, do you believe I can do this? He said, Lord, I, I believe, help mine unbelief. And Jesus says, according to your faith, so be it. And that takes place in Mark. Here we see him saying, have mercy on me. And then we read in this account, Jesus delivers this boy from this demon possession. And then you move on to another scene. Jesus and the disciples have come apart, and the disciples ask him a question, how come we couldn't do this? And the Lord tells them why they couldn't do it. There are three aspects of faith that are pointed out in this passage. There are three aspects of faith. First of all, I want you to see the determined faith. Second of all, I want you to see the deficient faith. And third of all, I want you to see the developed faith. All of this is important for us right now. Because without faith, ladies and gentlemen, it is impossible to please God. We are saved by grace through faith. Paul would tell the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we stand by faith. Three times in the Bible, the Bible says this, the just shall live by faith. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, so I want to zero in on the first aspect and the first character. The determined faith, look at verse 14 now, verse 14, and when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed, for he oft times he falleth into the water, and, or falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And, and uh, uh, I brought him to the disciples, and they could not cure him. I want you to understand something. First of all, as we consider this idea of the determined faith, here's a man, here's a man who brought a need that he thought these disciples could care for. It's possible that he had heard the disciples had cast out demons because they had. 
They had been used prior to this in Mark chapter 6. It says that uh, they were able to cast out demons and heal the sick. Oh, so no doubt the word spread. But while Jesus is away, we see something here, and I'm going to get ahead of myself. Uh, This man goes to the disciples, and they are unable to help him. I mean, maybe they'd heard you were able to help this guy and that guy and that woman and that situation. How come you can't help me? They had no answer. They had no answer. It put them in a pickle. They're, They're being interrogated by the religious leaders. But here's what I find awesome. When Jesus arrived, it's not like the man gave up. You know, a lot of people come to church and say, you know, I didn't get what I wanted out of that church. They taste a little Christianity and say, they say well, that, did, that didn't work. It didn't help me. And people give up. Well, I have this emotional need, but it's not doing what, it's not, I'm not receiving the remedy here. And let me just say this. It is very possible for you to go to a church and not get what you spiritually need. It's, yes, it is. Does that mean Jesus is not able? Absolutely not. It's very possible for you to go to a place that was able to help somebody else, and all of a sudden you show up and you're not getting help. That's possible. Here's the thing, though. Here's the, here's the, here's the reality. Here's the lesson here uh, that we all need to get. People can and will let us down. Are you hearing me? Human beings that have the same flesh, that you have, the same sin nature. It doesn't matter how much Bible they can quote. It doesn't matter uh, how often they carry their Bible to church. It doesn't matter what they did in the past. They can let you down today. That's just a reality. I would be remiss if I didn't tell you this because my objective is for you to be a strong Christian with or without me. We cannot build our Christian faith Upon a human, another sinner that's saved by grace? Oh, no. If we're going to build our Christian faith, we've got to build it on Jesus and him alone. And what we discover here is this man, though he was disappointed, no doubt, though he was dis- could have been discouraged, though he had the, the, the emotional duress of his son, and he's, he may, he have heard, he's heard other people were helped, and he's not. He didn't give up when he saw Jesus. He didn't throw in the towel. He didn't say, well, be gone with you. It doesn't work. Oh, no, no, no. He came when he saw Jesus, and he said, have mercy on me. Thank God he did. I guarantee you his son is thanking God he did. His son is thanking God he didn't give up. I'm here to tell you, parent that's got a wayward child, Your child will be thankful when all is said and done that you didn't give up. Are you hearing me? They may not be where you want them to be. They may not be doing what you want them to do right now. They may be in that far country right now. But you stay faithful to God. Because the day will come they're going to look at you and say, thank you. You didn't give up when you were disappointed. You didn't give up when you were discouraged. You didn't give up when it seemed like nothing was taking place. You stayed faithful, and as a result, I finally got my attention. I come to myself. Are you hearing me, church? So we see a determined faith. 
And oh, I'm telling you, there was faith there. There was faith there. And he got his answer. He didn't get it when he wanted, but he got his answer. It makes me think of the two stories in Luke. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus tells a story about a man who has a friend, visits him at midnight. And this friend comes at midnight and says, hey, didn't, I know I didn't let you know I was coming by, but I need a place to stay. And boy, the fellow wants to be a good host. And he says, I don't have anything for you to, to eat. He says, give me a minute. And he gets out of bed and he goes over to the neighbor's house and he bangs on the neighbor's door and the neighbor door. Neighbor says, what are you doing? I and my family are trying to sleep. He says, yeah, but I got a friend who's been visiting who came at a, uh, at a time when I wasn't expecting him and I don't have anything to offer him. Can, do you have anything? And the guy says, leave me alone. He says, I can't, I can't. And finally he says, I'll give you some bread, not because I like you, not because you're my neighbor, but because you won't quit knocking. Here you go. Jesus gives that story to encourage you and I to stay faithful in prayer. That's not the only story. Luke chapter 18, Jesus gives another parable about a lady who's been mistreated. Uh, I don't know what the injustice was. Maybe some land was stolen from her, some property, some possessions were taken from her. But it's unjust, and she goes to a judge who can make a decision on this and enforce the law. But Jesus said the judge is unjust. This woman goes to him and says, I need to tell you what's going on. And the man says, I don't have time for you. But this woman comes back the next day and says, I need you to help me. He says, I don't have time for you, lady. But she doesn't quit. She keeps on pestering that unjust judge. And finally says, woman, what do you want? I can't sleep. I just want you to enforce the law. He says, you got it here. <sighs> Jesus said, did he do that? <laughs> if, if, if an unjust judge will do that, how much more will your heavenly father do that? Are you hearing me? We give up too soon. We throw in the towel too soon. God says, no, no, I want you to keep on, keep on. And so we see this determined faith. Again, Hebrews 11:6. listen to the passage carefully. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of them that diligently, diligently seek him. That's exactly what it says. We see a determined faith here. Number two, we see a deficient faith. In verse 16 through 19, the comment of the man to Jesus. He says, and I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then said Jesus, and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. That's very important. Very important. You see, the issue at hand, when the disciples said, how come we couldn't do it? Jesus said in verse 20, because of your unbelief. Now, first of all, we need to remember this. According to Mark chapter, uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 12 and 13, They, at one time in their ministry, were able to go to, to a demon-possessed person, and they were able to 
call out that demon and help that person be delivered from demon possession. At one time in their ministry, they were able to go to a sick person and give them healing. At one time in their ministry, they were able to give sight to a blind person. At one time in their ministry, they were able to see some great and mighty miracles. At one time, this is very important. I don't want you to miss this. These people, these disciples had experienced, they'd experienced the blessings and power of God in their life. But now there is a deficiency, an obvious deficiency. Lesson one. You can be on the mountaintop with faith one day and be in the valley the next. Just like that. You can be on fire for God, ready to shoot hell with a squirt gun one day, but run from the squeak of a mouse the next. Some of you say, I'll run from the squeak of a mouse any day. (laughs) I'm just telling you how fickle we can be in the faith. This is significant. Consider the when. There's a dispensational truth here. A dispensational truth. Oh, what do you mean about that? Well, consider the when. When were they deficient in their faith? When Jesus was with them or when Jesus was up on the mountain? On the mountain, just to give you a hint. (laughs) Or we could say when Jesus was absent. In Jesus' absence... They were deficient. Can I tell you right now, dear church, in physical body, he's absent. Are you hearing me? It is the shame of the church today that the church is deficient in faith. We live. We must live by faith. We live on this side of eternity. We must live by faith. It's imperative that we live by faith. One day our faith will become sight, but right now we must live by faith. Absolutely must. That's imperative. Could it have been with these fellas? Jesus has left them. I mean, nine of them. I mean, Andrew and and Thomas and uh, uh, Philip and Bartholomew and You know, those guys didn't get to go to the mountaintop. Nevertheless, they were part of the church. They were part of the crowd with Jesus. Help has come their way. Oh, yeah. I can see uh, Thomas saying, I got this, fellas. Uh, Sir, what's the issue? Well, my son is lunatic. We've dealt with this before. Bring him here. Uh, Philip, Andrew, I'll take this one. Remove thou foul spirit. And the kid jumps into the fire, jumps into the water, has some strange seizure even. And it is apparent Thomas didn't make a dent in the situation. Philip says, Thomas, let me try. Uh, Thomas, ever the doubter, it's not going to work now, fellas. It's not going to work. But can you imagine maybe Philip jumping in? And then Andrew's saying, I've been with the master longer. Let me do it. None of them can help. Now, could it be? Could it be? I think common sense could bring us to a conclusion here. Because we know what the problem was, right? Jesus told us what the problem was. 
because of their unbelief. Come on now. All right. So we know that was the issue. So apparently they were trying to do this. If you're not exercising faith, then what are you exercising? Uh Uh-huh. Your will, your might, your strength, your knowledge, your experience. I'm not saying those things are bad, but they don't make a dent if you don't have faith. And let me just ask you, could it be that maybe they were coasting? Have you ever coasted in your Christian life? Talk to me, class. You know, you come to church. Yeah, that's good. It kept me interested. I like the music and all that. Man, I, I feel emotionally upbeat. You go to lunch and, you know, I don't really need to go Sunday night because I still feel good about the Lord, you know. And so you, you just kind of coast through the week and you feel good Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And, uh, but you haven't read your Bible. You haven't really prayed. You haven't even tried to witness. You're just coasting. I said, you're just coasting. We can do that all right for a little while without any big issues. But eventually, all it takes is a test to reveal where we're at spiritually. All it takes is a crisis. All it takes is a problem to unveil our impotence as Christians, absolutely powerless. I think that's very logical. I think that's what happened to these fellas. I think they went on coast while Jesus, the master, was away. What did the Lord tell us before he ascended? He said, go ye into all the world and preach baptize and teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. In another place, he said, occupy till I come. In another place, the Lord Jesus said, this is in the Gospel of Luke, he said, will the Son of Man find faith when he returns? The unanswered question. Will he find faith when he returns? Well, apparently when he came back down there, he didn't find a whole lot. Oh, faithless and perverse generation. Although there was one fella. He got his prayer answered. But the Lord called out the crowd. We live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in the word and the promises of God. But why is it that we are deficient? Because we coast. Let me tell you, uh, the reality is this. I pray more diligently when I'm going through crisis. When things are going well, I have to make myself pray. Hello? Hello? Usually, when things are going well, is when we coast. Do you know that King David, every time he failed in his faith, every time, you read his life, 
was when he was in the comfort zone. He didn't fail in his faith when Saul was chasing him. He didn't fail in his faith when his son conspired against him. When did he fail in his faith when he was on the mountaintop? When he could sleep in. Hello. What was he doing? Coasting. And to coast is to make yourself deficient in the faith. Deficient. Oh, we got another point here. So, uh, <clears throat> oh, by the way, by the way, by the way, anyway, since we're on it, and I didn't, the little promotion, little promotion. Uh, Sunday nights, we are going through the book of Revelation. Tonight, we will talk about the seven churches of Asia. It will be an outline form, more of a teaching lesson. It could break out into preaching, but primarily teaching. We will have a, hand, a handout. Okay, there's uh, my infomercial for tonight's service. Now, there is a church that we will be mentioned tonight called Laodicea, the church of Laodicea. The unique thing about this church, not in a positive sense, is they're called the lukewarm church. Jesus said this about this church. He said, uh, well, you think you have food and water and clothing? You think everything's all right? You have need of nothing. He uses that term. You have need of nothing. That's what he says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. Jesus said about the Laodiceans, referring to their attitude about themselves, you have need of nothing. And then Jesus would go on and say, uh, but you're blind, naked, poor. And uh, I stand at the door and knock. I'm not even inside. Hello? When do we coast when we have need of nothing? We are the wealthiest people in the world here in America. I know. You, know, just, you don't know what I... I'm telling you, I've been to Africa. We are wealthy here. Tomas, is America wealthy? We are wealthy our poor people look wealthy compared to other countries. Our poor people look wealthy. I'm not making light of anybody's poverty. I'm not making light of But I'm just telling you as a church, as a whole, ladies and gentlemen, we're coasting. So this leads us to the last point. Jesus comes down, he finds a determined faith, he finds a deficient faith, and the result is he wants to give us the means to develop our faith. So he says in verse 20 and 21, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall Remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. So let's start in where he starts. The number one issue, the number one problem is the deficiency of faith. Do you realize that faithlessness is the sinner's doom and the saint's dullness? A saint can be faithless just like a sinner. All right, did I, did I lose you? 
All I need is just five minutes, just five minutes. And so uh, Jesus is going to help these fellows. They ask, how come we couldn't do this? How come we couldn't do what we did before? And the Lord says, your unbelief, you've lost faith. You've lost reliance in me. You no longer depended upon me the way you had before. It wasn't there. I knew it. You may have been going through the motions, but I knew your heart. So, uh, he says, here's how you fix that. Prayer. The very exercise of prayer is a spiritual faith-building exercise. It is a spiritual faith-building exercise. But the real question is, how often do we pray in our homes? How often do we pray privately? How often do we pray publicly? How often do we pray with our spouse, with our children? How often do we pray with our church? Oh, allow me to give an infomercial for our Tuesday morning 6 a.m. prayer meeting. That's a selling point. And if we were to say, well, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we will not be studying the book of Revelation. We will be doing nothing but praying. I wonder what the crowd would be like then. I'm just testifying to the fact that God's people overall, I'm not saying you personally, of course not you, but overall God's people have forgotten the power of prayer and the the effect of prayer in our own lives. You know you're faithless. You know that uh, you need to develop your prayer when, here we go, when worry overrules your rest. Do, 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 do. You know you need to develop your faith when you only pray in times of crisis. Jesus said men ought always to pray and not to faint. Paul said continue in prayer. In the Thessalonians, he said pray without ceasing. Sounds to me like it's pretty important. You know you need to develop your faith when you have no restraint over your flesh. Uh, So let's say Brother Brian is a police officer. Let's say this is the highway. And I just happen to be going 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. I mean, I'm the only one on the road. Okay, so the issue here is this. If I'd have seen him, I'd have like, what? I'd have hit my brakes probably the moment I'd seen him and made it real obvious. Yeah, he'd still pull me over, that's right. Make it more obvious. Usually my wife says, there's a police officer up there. Oh, oh, I hope I slowed down in time. She knows that's the truth, too. When I'm in a car, I want to get from point A to point B. I just want to get there. So anyways, why do I slow down? Why do we slow down? Because we believe he has power to pull us over and take our money. And make our insurance go up. That's why we slow down, right? Because we believe. 
But if I come from another country and I had no idea and I thought this guy has this silly costume on and I cruise on by, ignorant of it, he, the police officer probably wouldn't care. He'd pull me over anyways. Unbelief. Now, belief helps us put the brakes on our flesh. Are you hearing me? Because do you know your flesh is your, responsible for your sin? It's, it's true. Your flesh is responsible for your overindulging all the way to your bad attitude. It's, but if the king of kings, if I was mindful of the king of kings being there on guard, whoop, I might put a break to my mouth. A muzzle to my mouth. You see, what I'm getting at is this. We need to be able to identify when we need to develop our faith. And that can be quite often. Now, the way to do it, prayer. Prayer is the best exercise. But wait a minute. Prayer must have something else with it. And that is the scripture, the word of God. Romans 10, 15, 10, 15. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I don't know why my brain is thinking it might be verse 17. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. No, the record's not stuck. The way we develop our faith is the accumulation of the Word of God in our heart and the exercise of communicating with God. These things exercise our faith. There are other ways of exercising our faith. Every time you are tested, every time you are tested, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, uh, you're going to go in the fiery furnace if you don't bow. Yeah, but we really, really, really believe in our God. Uh, we believe in our God so much that it would be an offense to him. It would be a disgrace to what we've testified about if we bow down to that idol. And since we really, really, really believe God is on guard right now, uh, we're not going to bow. I believe when they went into the fiery furnace, their faith jumped. They had faith, and it got even bigger. Every time you go through a test and you handle it correctly, your faith increases. And you can look back at life and say, God saw us through that trial. God saw us through that heartache. God saw us through that disappointment. God saw us through that financial loss. God seen us through that. We didn't have to forfeit our integrity. We didn't have to forfeit our faith to get by. God saw us through it all. Amen. Yeah. But Jesus said something here, and i got to wrap this up. He said, this kind. How be it this kind? Apparently... This was some kind of devil. He was a stinker. He didn't unroot real easy. And Jesus said this kind. 
tough case. Jesus said this. Uh, Fellas, this kind cometh not but by prayer and fasting. Now, to simplify this, to simplify this, the idea of prayer connects us to God. The idea of fasting separates us from the world. Are you with me there? It kind of simplifies the statement. The idea of prayer is us getting a hold of God. The idea of fasting is us letting go of the world and its appetites. That's a general, general statement. Obviously, there's more involved there. The idea of actually practicing fasting, not eating, so that you can seek the Lord in a greater sense is taught there. It is significant the first time fasting is mentioned in the book of Judges, Israel practiced it, and then they finally won the civil war that needed to be won. We find it again in the life of David. We also find it again in the life of Esther, who fasted. Fasted. Fasting means nothing if we're not seeking the Lord. Hello. It means nothing. It's just a religious exercise that means nothing. <clears throat> Say, well, I'm going to lose weight. Well, that's fine. The appetite's going to come back. I'll just tell you that. But what you need is God. And there are seasons when, watch this, there are seasons when the need in your heart is so great, you'd be willing to give up a meal, two meals, three meals. You'd be willing to go without food for a day, two days, three days. I'm just telling you, what would you do to see a loved one get saved? A friend turn their heart to the Lord. What would you do? God says, well, you want great faith? Nothing will happen without the faith. And if you want great faith, sometimes it calls for seasons of fasting. In Matthew chapter, let me, oh, my notes are in my Bible here. Just a few chapters earlier, the Lord Jesus said this. In Matthew 9, verse 14 and 15, Jesus had just left the house of Matthew. They'd had a big dinner party. The scribes said, uh, I see that you eat with sinners and publicans. And then even the disciples of John, the disciples of John came and inquired and said, uh, you know, oh, no, no, they, they inquired about John's disciples. They said, you know, John's disciples fast. How come yours don't? And Jesus said, when the bridegroom is with them, they don't have to fast. But when he's up on the mountain, hello? While he's ascended, you might need to now and then. It's amazing how the Bible just comes together. We have had some wonderful experiences with the Lord doing amazing things. We went about, this is around 2010, I have a journal. We went about eight months. We had staff members eight months and we hadn't hit budget. That's kind of scary when you want to take care of other people in the church, you know, who are part of your staff. I went on a fishing trip. <laughs> I had to get away. I went to see Daniel. 
I went up to see Daniel. I caught one that time, too. And on the way home, I, I said, uh, Dawn, did we hit budget? She said, no. I'm like, this just ruined my fishing trip. And so this is just a testimony. I'm, no, I'm nothing, but I wrote this down. I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to fast. I'm going to do a two-dayer. Well, let me tell you what. For me, one day I can, if without food, I can smell a peanut butter and jelly sandwich across the room. I mean, everything's enhanced. And so I set to do a two-dayer, and after the two days, that following Sunday, this is what happened. This is exactly what happened. The Lord knows we'll get to heaven. This is exactly what happened. God, first of all, gave me a peace in my heart. Everything's going to be all right. Had the service. Two people got saved that day. Man, I was excited. I wasn't really praying for lost souls. I was just praying. I was just praying that we'd hit budget. Isn't that carnal? But God gave us two souls. And I know you're going to think this is weird. The next day, I said, so did we hit budget? Nope, didn't hit budget. I went to the Lord and said, Lord, forgive me. I'm more concerned about us hitting budget than people being saved. I seriously, I'd ask God to forgive me. Because the most important thing going on in this planet is the gospel going out and people getting saved. That is the most important thing. The next three months, we hit budget. Now, that's God. That's God. I'm just telling you, that's God. And there's, there's so many stories in this room. But I'm telling you, the Lord Jesus says, you want, do you need to develop your prayer? Do you have a deficiency? Uh, there's a process. Trust me. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Lord, bless the service. Thank you for the word of God. May the Holy Spirit help us to be attentive to your voice with every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask this question. Maybe this morning there's somebody here who does not know they will go to heaven. Friend, if you are not certain that heaven will be your home, I need to tell you that there is a real heaven, there is a real hell, and that God wants you to know it's not worth the risk. If that's you, if you'd say, preacher, I'm just not sure I'm going to heaven, but I don't want to go to hell. If that's you, I'd like to pray for you. Would you lift your hand so I can see it? Nobody's looking around but me. Would you lift your hand so I can see it? I'd like to pray for you. Anybody like that in the room as I look around? Is there anyone like that? All right. Lord, may you bless our invitation. May you encourage your people. May the faith of the people of this church be strong in you. And the reality really comes during times of crises and hardship. That's when it really reveals itself. And yet, during the seasons of relief, help us to be faithful in walking with you. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Brian, come.